And now, from the secluded podcast hideaway in the woods of Sudbury, it's the Planet Mikey Podcast, episode 52, celebrating a year of interesting yet financially unrewarding studio time. It's super slick Navy veteran and all-around good guy, Bill Smitty Man Smith, and dysfunctional naysayer and co-host of the Italian Dude and Kitchen Show in Rhode Island. It's Ben Kitchen. And the man with more Emmys than any Lyft driver in American history, Mike Adams. Mike? Well, thank you, Peter. Peter Puller. Well, you know, we went, we went all union on him. You know, he's a network guy. You can tell by the pipes, can't you? Oh, yeah, I could tell right away. Peter right Puller. Away. And I wonder what Mr. and Mrs. Puller were thinking when they named him Peter. I don't know. I'm going to call you Peter. What were they thinking, Ben, huh? I don't think they liked him from the beginning. But you're a Peter Puller. So well, sure. what, what, who, who isn't in this room? <laughs> oh, we are brought to you by the professionals at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates in Boston, Warwick, Rhode Island, Newton, Worcester, Nashua. They're all over the place. There's almost more Leonard Hair Transplant Associate offices than there are Dunkin' Donuts. I thought you were going to say hairs on the head of a... No. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. We're also brought to you by My Grandma. Actually, not my actual grandma, the, the company that makes the cakes, <laughs> mygrandmas.com. World's greatest coffee cake at 1-800-8-GRANDMA. And don't forget to tell Grandma, Mikey says hello. And by the Joe Fish Seafood Restaurants in North Andover and North Reading. And by the way, now that we've done a year, you believe we've done a year of this? No. Yes. <laughs> we should thank Dr. Leonard and Dr. Lepresti for sponsoring the podcast. You know, we should true. thank Jimmy Dietz and his fine, fine restaurants. I'm going there in, in the, the next weekend, week from yeah. this weekend, and have some lobster. Yeah. And we should thank Bob Cates from the My Grandma's Coffee Cake yeah. Company for the cakes. True. Because without him, there are no cakes. So tonight we thought we would, um, I don't know, if you, you might have missed some of the earlier episodes of this podcast. I mean, let's face it, back in the beginning... There was no giant snowball effect yet, <laughs> you know, on a public relations basis about this podcast. Now, of course, we're off and running. The entire world knows all about the Planet Mikey podcast. It's true. Broadcast to the world. <clears throat> Beyond the world. Yeah. Ben knows. We've got listeners in uh, Tibet. Mm-hmm. It's true. A lot of the monks. And the monks like Tibet. They break their vows of silence. Just That's why they go to betonline.ag, oh. because they like Tibet. The monks over there. Do they know the code? They're the Dalai Lama, you know. They do. <laughs> I mean, they listen. They're loyal listeners. I remember the Dalai Lama said to me, he said, Gunga, no, he said, Gunga, Gunga. <laughs> <laughs> Which means you will have eternal peace. So I got that going for me. Anyway, uh, we, what we thought we'd do is we'd call some moments from the... Uh, Did you say some, call? Call. Yeah. Some of the earlier episodes that someone might not have heard, you know, early on. You know, as uh, the momentum built on this part, maybe you picked it up late. Maybe you came in episode 26 or so, or uh, maybe the John Dennis episode or the Chad Finn episode or something thrilled you. And uh, Glenn Ordway, we've had some great guests. We've had some fabulous guests. And we will have some evidence of that coming your way here in just a few moments. I just want to make sure everybody's okay. You okay, Smitty? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. Oh, the T-shirt looks good on you. By the way. Thank you. We have. I found an old friend of mine. He's in the, the in the the apparel business. You know the uh, uh, the cool apparel business, yeah. sports related. His his website is six one seven apparel dot com. So if you can spell apparel, you're pretty much there. Six one seven apparel dot com. Tommy the T shirt guy is a guy I've known for years, and I ran into him. 
And he's got. I looked at his site. He's got this great stuff uh, on his uh, now, on his website. Describe stuff. Well, there's all kinds of stuff. There's sweatshirts and there's hats and there's T-shirts and all that stuff. But it's unique. It's not your typical, you know, uh, junk. It's good stuff. Yeah. And we are happy to have now the new Planet Mikey the podcast T-shirts. So we'd like to get people to, you know, go on to the the apparel six one seven apparel dot com website and order. A Planet Mikey T-shirt. They're top quality. Somebody, you have one on. And I'm so wearing mine right now. I do. You know, go ahead. Give, give the assessment there. What does it look like? Isn't that you guys look nice? fabulous yeah. in that shirt. Thank you. And I've never looked better than the than the rendering of me on the shirt itself. The I, material is also not. You've like, definitely never looked this good. <laughs> I look like I'm Elvis. I'm about to die on the toilet. And the no, material is not like a bulky T-shirt. No, it's a nice. It's, it's extremely oh, comfortable. Yeah, it's high quality fun. stuff. Yeah. And I got the uh, you know the University of Belichick sweatshirt. I, I, go to six one seven apparel dot com, and click on that thing and get a shirt. It makes a great Christmas gift. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have friends, right? Mm. Come on, mm. I'm sure they love this shirt. <laughs> you must. Anyway, much of the time we've spent the first uh, fifty two episodes, and Ben yes. will attest to this. I will. I'll take a test uh, on this podcast. Is my never ending mission of proving that, despite the numerous concussions I endured during my life and the substance abuse, of course, for a while there, that I'm still the smartest man alive, even after all that Dane Bramage that I had during that time period. The fact is, you know, even at this point, and you guys know this because we've worked together now 52 consecutive episodes, um, much of my brain is used as storage yeah. for useless information like uh, old TV commercials, uh, batting averages of Red Sox players in the 60s, <laughs> stuff that matters a lot. A storage unit. Limericks. Yeah. Uh, imaginary conversations with myself. Shut up. I already told him that. You shut up. Fuck you. <laughs> I do, however, I do, as we'll find out on cut number one here. Yes. I do know my my old crappy jingles. Give me a, give me any question. I don't care what. All right. Uh, Doesn't who, matter what it is or what topic or when it's from. Okay, go ahead. Who is the fifteenth U.S. president? Harrison. Go uh, ahead. Ask me another that, one. Really? That was it? Yeah. Ask me another one. Any are president. Are you sure it was Harrison? Yeah, let me start at the beginning. Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, John Quincy Adams, uh, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren. Are you testing me? Ask me another question. I, I thought it was James Buchanan. Oh, oh you said 15th. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't hear you. Oh, I okay. hear you right. My apologies. I'll enunciate better next time. Try, please. I'm sorry. I mean, the 12th, you know, Franklin Pierce. Come on. I mean, this isn't something I don't know. Just please try to speak up so I can understand you. I want you to prove that you're the smartest man alive. All right. Proof is what we need. And only someone who's really smart would the remember. The smartest man alive. Let me, think. Let me think. All right. Sing the 1961 Brill Cream commercial. Okay. Okay. Um. So smart. Brill cream, a little dabble, do you? Use more, only if you dare. Brill cream, the gals will all pursue you. They'll love to put their fingers in your hair. That sounds gross, but that's what they say in the commercial. I swear to God. What's wrong with you? I tell this how that's the freaking commercial. I don't man. believe it. I I thought I was clear with my Google first it. question. Google I believe it. you are wrong. Okay, fine. Right, no, pa I'll pause Google the, it pause the to thing. prove that you are more than likely we're wrong. Go we're Googling as you usual. right now. Brill cream, a little dabble, do you? Use more, only if you dare. Brill cream, the 
So how useless is my skill set? Seriously. I mean, can I hit a three-pointer? No. No. Can I get an A in any kind of course in college? No. No. Uh, can I win The Voice season three? Maybe. No. Oh. It already passed. Well, honestly, God, to, but it's to, to survive on a on a lackluster skill set, it's like being the second best janitor in the building. You know what I mean? <laughs> Smitty and I have often wondered how you've survived this long, just in general. Yeah. In life. Well, but here's the thing: I do have what the the memory part of my brain is left is very keen, yes. very sharp. Yeah. Uh, it's like uh, like uh, a black and white. Photographed by Ansel Adams of the Rocky Mountains in the wintertime. That's uh, nothing like that, actually. Moonrise over Santa Fe. Uh, ben constantly, though, you know, you were here, Smitty. He yeah. constantly needed to test this smartest man alive thing. That's true. You've never days. left the 60s, fair to say? No, no. It's You've just been about... trapped in that decade. Well, no, I have total recall. I mean, just because my hair total is long recall. and my clothes are hippie-ish doesn't mean I'm, I'm trapped in the 60s. All right, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Here we go. So last week you proved I have something the to internet me. Internet now. So let's continue down that road. Sing me the Polaroid Swinger camera commercial. The, sw- the Polaroid Swinger. The Polaroid Swinger. Ready? Meet the Swinger, the Polaroid Swinger. Meet the Swinger, the Polaroid Swinger. It's more than a camera. It's almost alive. It's only nineteen dollars and ninety-five. Swing it up, yeah, yeah. It says yes, yeah, yeah. Take the shot, yeah, yeah. Count it down, yeah, yeah. Zip it off, hey. Meet the Swinger, the Polaroid Swinger. Meet the Swinger. That's exactly how it goes. Can we find that, Smitty? You're gonna shit when you hear it. You're right. Shit a little. It's more than a camera. It's almost alive. It's only nineteen dollars and ninety-five. Swing it up, Ben Ben. It says Ben Ben. Ben Ben. Ben Ben. Zip it off. Hey. I told you. God. Smartest man alive. And the smartest man alive, FM. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're okay. Now that we've established that, okay, that's kind of. By the way, I just want to mention to you two guys. Something reminded me of a, of a segment we should include in this, in this uh, part of the program. What is it? Well, today when I got home, my dog had puked. Yes. On the uh, the family room rug, and it reminded me of maybe the most famous story in the history of the whole Planet Mikey show. Yes. Uh, which is the the. Uh, the monkey story. If you've heard the famous monkey story, and it doesn't even refer to mutt, which Ben will be happy to hear. <laughs> Finally. All the facts that you are about to hear in this segment are true. Everything in this story is true. No names have been changed to protect the innocent, uh, which, by the way, my dead pet monkey was not. Today might be a good idea on this particular podcast to yes. tell in, in its complete unedited form with Actual linguistics involved. The story of the monkey. Are you familiar with that at all? I know you had a monkey. That's about the limit of my knowledge of the monkey story, if it even involves the monkey you owned. Does it it involve the monkey you owned? The monkey I owned. What was the monkey's name? Gilligan. Well, here's what happened. I bought a monkey. I went into a pet store. I I admittedly was a little bit stoned. Okay. Surprise. 
I bought a monkey for 100 bucks. The pet store owner gave me the cage, nice cage, for free. And I should have I should have noticed mm-hmm. that that's what Clue he was doing. one. <laughs> I took the Gotta thing home. Gotta get rid home. of this f***ing monkey. There was no Google. I didn't know what to do with the monkey. I gave him some bananas, some grapes. But here was the problem with this monkey. First of all, every time I would reach in the cage to try to take him out, to clean the cage. What kind of monkey was this? A capuchin. Okay. He would try to bite me. He would try to grab my finger and pull it toward his mouth. And he'd go, hey, just like that. And he'd try to bite my finger or whatever I put in there. So I, I didn't like that. It freaked me out. Do you know why that is? I have a theory. He was an asshole. Str- mm, no, he was no. an asshole. Well, uh, I'm I think you, I think you're going to hear how much so, of an asshole. So every this time was. you put your hand in the cage, he grabbed your finger, uh, yeah. presumably your index finger, yeah. and tried to bite it. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming this is some kind of defense mechanism for the monkey Gilligan, probably because the previous owner of the monkey, the pet store owner, had hurt him. Uh, okay, I, I think he. That's not my that. fault. I paid a hundred <laughs> bucks for this monkey. I expect him to sit on my shoulder while I play the organ grinder and do a little dance and put the cup out there. You think monkeys are smart enough to do that because you see it on TV? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So you say, okay, well this is gonna be cute. Guess what? This what? monkey was an asshole from the very first day. First of all, I didn't know at the time monkeys uh, have a tendency to throw their balls of shit out of the cage because they love clean cages. So I'd come home every day, and around the cage would be what I called the (laughs) ring of shit. And it was torn up newspaper that had urine on it that he would throw that out too, and his little balls of poop. And so a perfect ring around his cage of nothing but piss and poop and newspaper. How big is this poop, though? The ring of shit. Is it, it is was. it like rabbit, like little rabbit shits? Uh, bigger than that, but smellier and moister. Kind of like more, just like more like cookie of baby dough, poo. more like cookie dough, it's less like, like M and M's than the, than the rabbits. Oh. So anyway, so <laughs> I said, okay, well this is going to be good. Every day I'm going to have to clean up monkey shit when I get home. That's mm. okay because look how cute he is. <laughs> so. I, get to, I invite this girl I worked with over. Her name is Linda. And I said, Linda, come on over and see my monkey. Linda. And she says, okay. This monkey is about, I'd say, 11 inches high, maybe 12 inches high. What, what, what is? The monkey. Oh, okay. She brings this big, giant bag of grapes and three full bananas. Now, the monkey chows into the first banana, then eats about 10 grapes. Then, while she's watching, pukes onto his arms. He pukes onto his arms and proceeds to eat the puke off his own arms. How romantic for this girl, right? When I've never used the word re-ate until I had this monkey who re-ate his bananas and his grapes. So I hated this monkey and he used to piss me off. Now when he would get loose, he would jump. He was really a good jumper. So, okay, he'd land on the kitchen table and I'd go, come on, Gilligan. Come on. And I'd try to get close. And when I got within six inches, he'd go, and he jumped from here to there, leaving a little bit of diarrhea behind him on the table. Now he's on the stereo. I go over, come on. He jumps again from the stereo, leaves more diarrhea on the stereo, and lands on the bed. Okay, you know the, the drill. There's five patches of diarrhea before I grab his little neck and stick him in the cage, swear at him, bang on the corner of the cage, and say, you're a fucking asshole. And those were the better days with this monkey. So... After a while, I got used to it, cleaning up the shit and everything. And I said, okay. So one day I, I was at work for like a 12-hour shift, and I came home and I realized it was the summertime that I'd left them in front of the air conditioner uh, for 12 hours. <laughs> and monkeys like it humid and tropical, right? <laughs> so he's on the floor of the cage shivering. 
Like he's just, it's like 11 at night. I go, oh my God. And he's on the thing. Going, he's laying there on the floor of his cage. I said, I better, I better call a vet in the morning. You know, next morning I wake up, he's dead. Deader than, I mean, stiff. Like I picked him up. He'd already had rigor mortis had already set in. He's a stiff little monkey. And I got him in my hand. I'm going, oh no. I look in a phone book under monkey mortuaries. I didn't find one. So I threw him in the dumpster behind my apartment. <laughs> I did. I put him in a little brown paper bag, put him in the dumpster, and then my my, my next thought was, the guy that dumps the dumpster, what, what if he's watching all the stuff flow by milk cartons and egg cartons and garbage? All of a sudden, a monkey goes by him. What's he going to think? Who lives here? You know. But that's a true story, the story of Gilligan. I think he lasted a, probably a month and a half under my, on my watch. People say, Mikey, you killed that monkey. I say, no, no. He died on my watch. Correct. See, I'm, I'm guiltless. Although Ben just threw up in his shoes. Smitty, you like monkeys. Come on. Yeah, I can't believe you killed that monkey. Yeah, son of a I, you bitch. murdered that he monkey. He was a little cold-blooded. A little hairy-ass Calling son a of monkey a bitch. an asshole. I mean, what a thing. Come yeah, on. He's gone now. We don't have to worry about him. And by the way, if he were alive today, he'd be like 47. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would he look like now? Well, he'd look, he look like mud. Um, so I had a great week last week. We're doing, by the way, this is the greatest hits of the first 15 episodes of the Planet Mikey podcast with Ben Kitchen and the one and only Smitty Smitty, Smith, Bill Smith, Smitty Man. What are you Thank drinking you. over there? This is a, called a hint. Oh, a hint water. Yeah, I'm a hint. With a hint of pomegranate. <laughs> oh, it's delicious. We have another sponsor called, uh, and this is, a, this is a great group here, betonline.ag. By the way, I got to tell you what I did last week. What did you do? Of, I got everything right last week. Now, we had Pete Shepard on In last In life? Week. Yeah, we had Pete on, and we were going through these. I picked Dallas, Minnesota, New England, Oakland, Baltimore, San Francisco, and Kansas City last week, and they all won. So I'm like a freaking genius. Now, did you here. predict that? Well, I, I, I bet with, on it. On betonline.ag. Yeah. I'm, I'm richer than I was last week, that's for sure. BetOnline.ag has a bonus for those of you who are friends of the, the podcast. You can bet your football games, your overs, your unders, your spreads, your teasers, everything you want to do, which is what I did, by the way, with these six-and-a-half-point teasers. I, I did very well. I can't get over it. <laughs> I'm going to buy myself a T-shirt on 617apparel.com. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Anyway, if you do the, uh, the bonus thing, when you enter the bonus code, which Ben will tell you is... CLNS50. CLNS50. You get 50% welcome bonus if you're a new uh, better on the, uh, the betonline.ag you know, website, and it's pretty awesome. And, you know, you can listen. Watch this space for really, really good picks in the future. But right now we're rattling off some of our early episode highlights. Uh, and this one, I got to tell you, when I start, when I started in this radio business, uh, 1973, I was 18, still 18 years old. I was a young guy. I did, I had pubic hair, but it was under my arms, and I was doing pretty good. And I said, I'm going to take a school broadcasting. I'm going to be on the radio. And it's going to be, I'm going to be like Dick Robinson, babe. I'm going to be on the radio, and I was searching for a career basically which would involve minimal effort and uh, minimal education, which were two of my biggest qualifiers. Um, Radio was that perfect career for me. But I've been on some stations that had no listeners, as we've discussed. Yes. Nothing going on. I don't think there's anything worse, though, than when they hired me at NECN, New England Cable News, where the news you need is on right now or after these infomercials. It was so bad. We were a startup network. And what year was this? Uh, 92. Okay. 
And in some towns, we were on, you know, Channel A31, and in some we were on B26, you know. Bingo. The B trunk. So no one could find us. We had no viewers. So the very first night I had the TV program, they said, okay, it's an hour. You're going to take phone calls, and you're going to talk sports live. And I asked, is there a delay? And they said no. There's no delay. You got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> exactly. So as a longtime radio guy, I'm thinking, delay? I'm going to get killed by pranksters and asswipes out there who just want to make us look bad. And that didn't happen. As a matter of fact, you, you know Maury Levine, right? That's right, Mike. Maury Leonard Levine. Uh, he used to stop the show in the middle of the, of the show and say, hey, Mike, Mike. And he'd raise his hand. And I'd go, yes, Maury. And he'd go, my middle name is Leonard and he'd just throw that out there. The guy was weird. So he's on the show one night, and here we are with no delay, and this happened. Um, Mario looks like he'd get a whole fist up his ass. <laughs> well, you know, I, that's something that uh, Maury probably has never done, but you, tell me, does that hurt when you do that? And how do you hold the phone? I mean, God. Was that the caller? Uh, I think we're off to a pretty good start in here. What do you think? Well, you know, try to keep the poster children for birth control <laughs> off the program, if you would. Yeah, yeah. You got John jo and Natick. John and Natick. John, how are you? Mike, what's up? John, a whole fist. <laughs> <laughs> a whole fist, John. Uh, of course, uh, on, on this podcast, our, one of our first big big name guests was Red Sox. Remember the Red Sox Hall of Fame, Bill Lee, the spaceman. Of course, Bill in studio here with us and we were happy to see him because we were just surprised that he that he actually found this studio that we record in because we're in a very remote wooded posh I idyllic area of Sudbury and so Bill found us and the good news with him is that you just set him off he'll talk about anything and we set him up to give us the scoop on on the uh 1970s Red Sox left-hander Rahelio Roger Moret. Rahelio Roger Moret. Yeah, you've been you've been teasing the story about him for two weeks now. <laughs> I know. Pay it off for I him. know. Oh, you, tell Ben who wasn't even born in seventy-five. Nope. Give us the nutshell on Rahelio Roger Catatonic Moret. Six foot six, probably a hundred and seventy-five pounds. He was Jesus. a black Cuba, Cuba Lebra, we call it, a black snake. He was sail before sail. He had an amazing delivery where he unfolded like he's coming out of a suitcase, a spider coming out of a suitcase, <laughs> and he threw downhill at 95 miles an hour, and he was unhittable, and he threw strikes, and he was a great guy, but he, you know, he couldn't speak English. I would have to go with him to on the road and a ball and around and get him fed because he would order the bottom of the menu and say, I'll take this. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I want my two eggs over large. <laughs> Little barrier going there. Little barrier, but I spoke Spanish and uh, he loved me. And uh, when we had the senior tour, when we had the Gray Sox travel around, I got I got Moret out of Puerto Rico. Uh, I smuggled him out. Uh, Belanger, the head of the Players Association, said, you can't do that. You know, he's catatonic. He's in a mental hospital, and he's getting $70,000 a year. I said, 70000 He says, yeah, he's on total disability pension. I go, who's crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Not Roger. But he had other issues. But, you know, he had side issues when he was playing. He had side girlfriends all the way up and down 95. The guy was named the Culebra. You know, when, 
When you got a nickname like the Black Snake, people are knocking on their door trying to find out, is that real? Is that a pet? Does it have a helmet? (laughs) (laughs) Talking about teammate Rogelio Moret. Uh, with Billy. And of course, uh, no conversation with Spaceman is complete without uh, giving him a chance to, I don't know, crap on the Yankees a little bit and uh, talk about the, the career altering brawl he had in Yankee Stadium in 1976 with that asshole Greg Nettles. I'm constantly being asked by people Does Bill really have a picture of Greg Nettles in his wallet uh, next to his ass? And uh, tell because you told that the night you were inducted into Red Sox Hall of Fame, a lot of people were didn't hear that. 1976, I believe it was May. You just won 17 games three years in a row, yeah, and was... the Yankees hated you because you beat them all the time. Yeah, I mean, we, you we owned shut them out in a doubleheader the year before when uh, their manager, the guy, the Pirate, got fired, and they brought Billy Martin in. I'm trying to think of the Pirate manager back then, but he got fired. He was an outfielder. He got fired. Bill Verdon? Bill Verdon. Very good. Thank you. They, Bill Verdon got Smartest fired. man alive. Well, he was... Uh, he wasn't... And anyway... They bring in Martin, and now I find out there's a vendetta on me. I found out later, and they just beat the living shit out of me. I threw that sinker away to Otto Velez with Pinell at second base, Nettles at first. Yep. I walked Nettles, and then uh, Pinelli gets thrown out for the third out, and I was backing up home plate, and I tried to pull Otto Velez, which was a big guy. He guy hit the ball. He was coming in from second, and he was going to hit fifth, so I got him, and I got taking up the first baseline a little bit by the momentum. And then it shows the picture of Mickey Rivers hitting me in the back of the head and then Nettles running me up the first baseline. You don't see him dumping me on my shoulder. That's the funny thing in, in that everybody sees me hurt afterwards, but no one sees how I got hurt. Right, you got body slammed by Nettles. I got body no, I, I watched it last night, and all you see is you kind of coming up, holding your arm. But what a dick thing for him to do, you know. And then you, you said something to him. Then he came after you again because you said something to him. Yes, he came by, and I called him everything in the book, and uh, I tried to hit him with, I thought I tried to hit him with a left hook, but it, it shows no movement of me. It shows him coming and assaulting me over the top and hitting me with the right Well, your hand. left arm was dislocated. It was dislocated. <laughs> so and you can't really, that's not an, an out punch. Yeah, I I didn't wasn't dislocated. It was a chromiocavicular separation, which deals yeah, with get it your, right, Mike. Sorry. Yeah, you know it's 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 it deals with uh, your uh, not your xiphoid process. That's in the middle of your chest. It it's 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 not a good injury. You know, you got a dead arm, and uh, I came back from it. I came back too soon. But Dick Gregory came and saved me by bringing a food formula called the Bahamian Food Formula with comfrey root and everything else that he had blended. He used to sell it at uh, GNC stores. It was called the Bahamian Diet. And they ought to bring it back because I it works for me. It did. It works because you drink it with cranberry juice. You don't drink it like milk, like Tommy Lasorda and Slimfast and fart. The whole damn plane had to had to you know get down in Phoenix on the way to L.A. because of the farts from Tommy Lasorda. So <laughs> you don't fart on the on the Bahamian diet, but boy, that's slim no, fast. It's because of the cranberry juice. It's because of the cranberries. That's why. <laughs> it had to be. You know. always, always remember the, cran- the cranberry juice. There is no, by the way, there is no Bahamian cure for baldness at this juncture yet, but there are cures for baldness. And Dr. Robert Leonard and Dr. Matthew Lepresti have them all. They are so knowledgeable when it comes to permanent hair restoration. Look what they did for me. I mean, I've been fully restored to the 1970s hippie head that I used to be, uh, and, and it's just 
amazing what these guys can do. They're like artists. You know, in cars, it's like the Mercedes-Benz. In hair transplant surgery, it's Dr. Leonard's, Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, where they say proudly, hey, we grow on people. Call 1-800-GET-HAIR and uh, have a free no-obligation consultation with those two guys and tell them Mikey said hello with, with all of his hair. Speaking of having a good head of hair, John Fiore was on the program. Now, John... <laughs> I love John Fiore. He is, isn't, he, isn't he fun? He is, yeah. He's a native of Somerville, longtime actor. He's on All My Children. He was back, we go back to the old days of Mystic Pizza, Law & Order, The Sopranos. He's a very funny bastard, and we love the guy. He's, always, he's like Dean Martin. He's always fun to be around no matter what you're doing. Uh, and he's also been, as we discovered in this podcast episode with John Fiore, he's also been the victim of a Hollywood-style racial profiling. John's a good friend of mine. I've known him 15 years, and I get angry sometimes when I see what the film industry does to actors by stereotyping them. And, you know, with all due respect. With all due respect. You look like you're Italian. I mean, I it's, do. It's not a bad thing. I do. But they apparently, when they cast these things, just how stereotypical they thought he was when they cast him in all these roles. Okay. <laughs> In Life Stories, he played Jim DiPaolo. Italian? Yes. <laughs> In NYPD Blue, you were Jerry Fumento. <laughs> Jerry Framanda. Yeah, yeah, Is that right. an Italian guy? Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. In Law and Order, you were Detective Tony Profaci. Who the fucking forget that guy? That's right. Me. You were in, <laughs> tea, you were in a little number called Tea Cakes or Cannoli. Right. Mike Cannoli. You played Lorenzo. Lorenzo Di Balbaglio. My guess is Italian. Italian. Uh, hit and Runway, Frank Andero. Andero. Uh, my brother Jack, you played Jack Valento. <laughs> <laughs> then in The Sopranos, you were Gigi Sestone. I know. Is that uh, yeah, Irish, right. isn't it? You got it, yeah. baby. In, in uh, Tony and Tina's Wedding, you were Mr. Nunzio. Fucking <laughs> Nunzio. In The Third Watch, the, the TV series, yeah. Boscarelli. <laughs> in Black Irish, they couldn't even give you an Irish role or a black role. They gave you Tommy Orsini. Unbelievable. See, that, you got stereotyped. I can't help it. That's how it's I'm perceived. I'm up. the Italian fucking stallion. Look at Marcello Mastriani. He only played Italian roles. And he didn't say much. I mean, at least I'm fucking Italian. Right? <laughs> it's the greatest fucking thing to be. <laughs> so I'm just finishing out the list here. Uh, Alphonse Nazzoli in The Brotherhood. Chef Carmine yeah. in Larry the Cable Italian. Guy. Yeah. You were in Chappaquiddick. Yes. And you played the chief of police in Martha's Vineyard. Right. And his name was? Dominic Arena. <laughs> <laughs> but they I mean, call, but they call him Jim. It doesn't stop. But they call him Jim. That's what they did call that police chief down there. Jim Arena was this, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm big on that Chappaquiddick story. I really am. I went there. I took a bike ride. I went down to Martha's Vineyard. You were there? Have you ever gone to Martha's Vineyard? No. Never? Never. You can take a bike ride out to Chappaquiddick, and you can see that bridge. Now, they got it all protected now. You can't drive off it. They have, like, you know, barriers and stuff like <laughs> sure that. Sure about that. But I went out there, and I said, I just got to see. I'm, I'm, I'm compelled to go to weird, like, I went to the Kennedy assassination site, Dealey Plaza in Dallas. You know, yeah. I don't know. I got a twisted sense of that, and I just like that stuff. I, where was McKinley uh, shot? Was that Buffalo? I do not know. Because <laughs> I'm not going to Buffalo. So uh, you have that picture of you in Tiananmen Square? Yeah, I do. Is that yeah. you in front yeah. of the uh, tank? Well, well no. I, with me, it was tanks, but no tanks. 
<laughs> oh, God. No, I'm serious. Uh, we've had some. So the, all of these are being taken from the first, what, 12 or 14 episodes. And we have many more. We did, we've done 52 of these now. And we're kind of celebrating a year's worth of goofing off. Uh, Smitty and uh, Ben Kitchen and me uh, as here as we uh, delve back into them a little bit. One of our first great guests, I think you guys will agree, was the, blue, the blues legend, James Montgomery. Who he drank an entire bottle of wine when he was here. <laughs> he was fabulous. He shared it with me. Uh, he's played for like fifty years, and with the best in the blues regard, James Cotton and BB King, and he's played with the Allman Brothers. He played with Aerosmith. He's just been around. He knows everybody. Uh, he's a legend. And on the podcast, we had him talking about all the old times and all the different clubs he played and all the different stuff he did. But when he pulled out his mouth organ, that sounds like another. Porn title, but it isn't. Uh, he pulled out his his harmonica and did this little number for us. James Montgomery is going to do a, uh, a command performance uh, of something bluesy. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, sure. What do you want? You, you do Paul Butterfield. Yeah, little yeah, Walter. yeah. Okay, Paul Butterfield. <laughs> Damn, that's Damn. awesome. <laughs> James Montgomery, everybody. That was Paul. But, uh, and Paul would turn over in his grave if he heard me play it like that. Of, of the Paul Butterfield Blues Band and James Montgomery. You know, the only thing I ever saw I think that was more entertaining from a harmonica perspective. Did you see the Family Guy episode where the harmonica <laughs> went up his ass yes. from the bathtub? Yes. That was maybe one of the best written uh, Family Guy episodes ever. If you guys are at home and you want to Google search Peter Griffin Family Guy harmonica in his ass. You'll find that it's tremendous, tremendous. <laughs> with the train. He's doing the train sound of. Oh my god! And he did the beginning to. Uh, what was it? Uh, the sitcom. He did the sitcom. Yes, Barney Miller. Out of his ass, he did it through his. <laughs> hilarious. Um, now, nobody. I got. I got to say, in the first year of of these podcasts, ha, has put in more effort in actually getting to our studio than Bob Lobel. It took. It, it took because remember we thought it was going to be Monday night and it was Tuesday. You go because Tuesday, then he's got the you know we don't have a handicap ramp here. Yep. And Bob's got you know he's got some issues negotiating. A hatchway, which is what we brought him down the hatchway. But he's a great guy, and he was all all game for it. It was difficult, yeah. But he was really, really worth it once we got him in here because he's Bob LaBelle. You know, he's WBZ TV sports anchor, legend, and great guy Bob LaBelle, who everybody loves. There's no question about it. Um, and he was able to disregard, you know, the smoke that from Ben's bong when he was here. <laughs> Uh, and all the, the weirdnesses of going to have Buddy climbing up on his lap, your dog Buddy. That's right. um, but Bob LaBelle, a great guy. So we got Loby in here, and we pried a little bit into his early life and his, his Amish mafia connections. Now, it started all for you in Apple Creek, Ohio, That's and I, I thought it's got to be a small town, but it's not even a town. It's, it's, pretty a, small. it's a village. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of Amish, a lot of Mennonite, a lot of, and uh, the school I went to had like four schools that were 
that joined together to do one. So, so it, wait, this is truly an Amish community? Oh, yeah, totally. From whence you came? Totally. Did you ever raise a barn or anything? Or? I did not, but my nearest neighbors, uh, we lived in a farmhouse. <laughs> I didn't know it was Amish. We lived in, oh, yeah, <laughs> house down in the road, barn raising. Uh, they were Amish. And, you know, I went out there for a high school reunion, and I decided to drive past uh, where I used to live, nothing has changed. There's a cornfield in the back, there's a cornfield on the side, and there's a cornfield on the other side. It's absolutely the same, and it was an Amish buggy coming down the road. <laughs> I swear to God, this was 50 years ago, and it's still it's still the same. But, did, uh, did you, were the Amish chicks hot, or? You never saw them, because uh, they wouldn't go to high school. After uh, junior high, they dropped out of school. I don't, I don't know, whether, I can't. I, you can't respond to that. No, but did you ever, like, I mean, no. what did you do with no. it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have some, you know. No, no, you go ahead and do what you want. Do what thou no. Do what thou wants. <laughs> Bob Lobel, one of the best. And, you know, I'll tell you what, the, the thing about Bob is I do, I sometimes join him on his podcast. Uh, it's a, called a podcast, P O T, mm. the New England podcast, because Bob uh, has taken on. Uh, basically cannabis ingestibles to deal with the pain he's had from his operations, back problems, knees and stuff. Instead of taking pills, he's an advocate, a big advocate now for uh, edible and for and for can- medicinal cannabis. It works for him. So it's good. It's Bob Lobel's New England podcast, if you ever get a chance to listen. I don't usually promote other people's pod- podcasts on this one. But this is a podcast. It's, it's different. It's spelled differently. Yes, exactly. So I can, yeah. I can deviate contractually from that and uh, take a few moments to... Uh, you know, throw that out there. Anyway, so we'll be we'll throw some other things together for you in an in upcoming episode of because we've had you know we've had huge episodes with uh, with John Dennis, and uh, we've had uh, Glenn Ordway, and we've had you know a bunch of tremendous comedians on the program, and uh, Chris Meyer, the movie producer. We've had some really good episodes, so we're gonna have some more best of, uh, I guess, greatest hits if you want to call it that, which is a fun thing to do. In the meanwhile, Ben Kitchen Smitty is not going to be here next week. Wah, wah. Yeah, he's got something I don't know important to do. He's going to have his. T- I think he's going to have his grundle buffed. No, the theme music it inspired me. That's why I'll, I'll be out of the country. So maybe you ask that guy. You do beach. that show. What's that show you do? Uh, uh, blah blah and kitchen show. Uh, his name's Mark. Mark uh, Scassima. Full name Marcos Giuseppe Dondarino. Giuseppe. He- Mark Dondero. Can he fill in for you? You think you'd ask ask him and let get back to me. Let me know if he can fill in for you because we're gonna need a third party in here. Can you do that? I can do that. Tell him I love his show. What's it called? Fuckface and and, and Jesus about. <laughs> God, you're a real piece of shit. You know that? No, it's a good show. It's on 100, 100 103.7 WVEI. The Pike. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Talk to you later.